Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here. Thank you so much for listening to the episodes. Do me a favor, if you get any value out of these, would you leave me a review? It would mean the world to me. I'm on a massive mission to help as many people as I possibly can get to freedom through building a business. I gotta be honest, building a business is by far the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and I promise you, my business has worked on me more than I've ever worked on it. I don't think there's a better tool in the world to meet the dude in the mirror than building your own company. You're going to find out what the hell you're made of. In these episodes, I bring on the people that have been through it, gone through it, done it, built monstrous companies, and I get them to coach me on how to actually level up, grow, and scale my business. They're hitting me with some hard questions. They're bringing some amazing advice. And, and I'm telling you, I take notes from every one of these episodes from these people that have actually lived it. They've gone through it and have turned their businesses into amazing empires. So I hope you find a ton of value in this. And I hope that this becomes something you come back to and listen to often. How running a farm is just like building a business. Hey, I'm Donnie Bovine, the CEO and founder of Success Champion Networking and author of the book, Fuck to Focus. This is Growth Mode, a podcast all about growing and scaling your business. Hanging out with me as always is Kevin Snow, the sales automation tactician and genius. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how a couple of country boys who grew up on farms build a business and how much it correlates to, to really building a successful business. Kevin, I don't know how many people actually know what kind of farm and shit you actually grew up on. So, so walk us through a little bit about your your folks' place and all that. Yeah, I, I it's not so good we talk about a lot. So, yeah, I grew up on a farm in uh, north central South Dakota. Uh, we raised cattle. We raised pigs. Uh, we had uh, we raised corn, soybeans, hay. How many head of cattle? Wheat. Uh, we would normally have around 200. God, that's a big herd. And it was I mean, I know all... it's not massive, but <laughs> around here, that's a big herd. And it was all, uh, you know, cow-calf operation. And then we'd sell them off when they, after they got weaned to, uh, feeders. Oh, so, so you guys weren't processing then. You were, were selling the calves off. Yep. Yeah, every once in a while, we'd buy some uh, steers to feed out, but we were really cow-calf operation. So, Man, doing cows and crops and, and pigs. pigs, that's a lot of damn work. Yep. <laughs> how, many, how many had a pig? Oh, God, we probably... Uh, I think we had three or four rotations, so we had to have probably 100 sows. God bless. And then, then those we had feeder pigs. We kept feeder pigs too, so we had a finishing barn that we they went through, and that we knew where they were based on which stall they were in, and then we sold them off, and That's put awesome. in more. And, yeah, worst job in the world: cleaning out the farrowing barn. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, even for me, I mean, I grew up in Kansas on about a 500 acre farm. We did not have that many livestock. I mean, we did the 4-H thing, but 
Um, I think at most we may have had like seven horses and then, you know, we had the chicken coops and, um, now the, the landowners, the place that we lived on, you know, they had cattle, um, that I think we were somewhat responsible for, but I don't remember. I mean, I was, I was a young kid, you know, I, the biggest thing I remember was throwing hay bales. I mean, it's seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up to age 11, you know, I was on a flatbed tractor freaking moving hay bales around that was you know a lot of our summers and then 4-h we were big in that lane you know uh doing yep. all the the workshops and we had friday night what were called ratios they're not really rodeos they're they're uh more kid oriented with pole bending and hangman <laughs> and barrel racing and all kinds of mutton busting all kinds of fun things like this yeah well, so it was it was a pretty cool way to grow up as a kid, not like, you know, the suburbia life that I moved to from 11 years on. I bet being for you was a big change. Well, and it was, you know, growing up on a farm, you would, you know, you would go, go out in the morning after breakfast during the summer and you'd just be out and come in for lunch and you'd be gone again. And you'd just go out and be messing around as a kid and, you know getting into whatever trouble you could find that day. So, and, and, and was, avoiding as much work as possible. Well, it, yeah, to, you know, up to, you know, up until I was probably 10, you know, there, there was chores to do, but they're kind of limited, you know, based on what type of animals we had and what was going on. So there wasn't a ton of stuff I could do. Uh, but once I got my, started being able to drive, then there was like, oh, you're going to go work this field. You're going to go do that stuff. And it, then it started ramping up for me. But, you know, as a. Well, let's be honest. Farm, farmers have kids, so they have slave labor. Yeah, that, that is it. <laughs> Too funny. So, two country kids. You know, I ended up more suburbia life quicker than you did, but, you know, how does being raised on a farm like this, you know, dust till dawn kind of living and lifestyle correlate to running a business? Cause I know one thing in particular I'm fascinated with you is you didn't have the epiphany until you and I started <laughs> working together, really that your parents actually ran a business, you know, we're basically entrepreneurs. It just as farmers, you didn't see them that way. Yeah. It was, you, you see it really as a lifestyle because that's what you do. You're living there. You never leave the business. You know, you're you get up in the middle of the night when it's storming because you got to make sure that, you know, you don't have any new calves that got uh, that calved overnight and they're stuck out in a blizzard. You, you know, it's that's it, just how it is. Uh, you know, there were multiple weekends and you know, nights I'd wake up and we'd have a calf in our entryway because it, <laughs> it had been blizzarding and it was brand new and we had to bring it in. Uh, so it didn't freeze overnight. So. Uh, you know, and that was one of my chores when, when we had uh, bottle feeders there where the mom didn't take the calf. You know, as a little kid, I'd get to go out and bottle feed the calves. So it was just a thing, you know, and all my friends lived on farms. And, you know, other than some a few kids in my class that were lived in town, the bulk of everyone in my, in my uh, high school and grade school were all farm kids. So it was just how things were, you know, when one of us, yeah, we're working cattle this weekend. It's like, sweet, need help. And you'd go work cattle with people. And because, you know, you know, that's what she did. It was everyone was in it together. So it, it was a, a, you know, so it yeah, it took me a long time to figure out that, yeah, this is a business, uh, you know, and I saw my parents <laughs> doing taxes and books and, you know, and all that stuff. But, you know, you don't think about it that way. It's like, oh, feed guys here uh, or, you know, we're, we're. You no, know, we we're selling the corn this week, and it was just a thing. 
So for sure. Yeah. And for me, it was a little bit different because, you know, mom and dad weren't really farmers per se, you know, uh, although we did have livestock, they had jobs outside of the farm, you know, mom worked in factory, dad drove truck, you know, so we grew up in it's very similar, you know, style town that you did. You know, if you look at Kansas, you know, school was 14 miles away. So, you know, there was a bus and we lived on a hill that was so rural that when it snowed, you know, the school would call us and say, hey, we don't have to come to school today because they couldn't get to us. We always <laughs> were waiting for that freaking phone to ring. But, you know, same scenario. Uh, my school is a little bit bigger than yours, but not by much. You had this somewhat the city kids, if you will. Then you had all of us that came in from the country. And But even with the city kids, because we were so rural and small, I mean, everybody knew who the hell everybody was. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't even know if we had a flashing light in town. Um, there was a, a bar, there was a restaurant, there was a, um, a drugstore. Uh, I was trying to think what else there and kind of like a little five and dime, you know, store. But that was pretty much it. For yeah, downtown we, lived we had the drugstore, a couple gas stations, the high school, uh, senior center slash community center, uh, bank, uh, one bar, uh, American Legion, a drive up that was open during the the summer months uh <laughs> that's the end yeah i think that's about oh and a bowling alley we had a bowling alley oh like you guys were way more freaking sophisticated than we were we didn't have a damn bowling alley yeah we had to go to a whole nother city to do that that was yeah that was oh, my uh, grandpa's uh you know he he bowled league and that was the thing uh, <laughs> But, you know, the, the funny thing for me is, is how much really carries over and we'll even use your calf scenario. And by the way, if you're listening to this, you know, during our goat season with all of our baby goats, we're liable to have, you know, three or four goats in the damn house because mama rejects them and you've got a bottle and it's just easier to put them in a dog crate and stuff and bring them in versus trying to run out to the barn to make sure they're taken care of. You know, so well, and, uh, and you- calf is a lot bigger and a lot more work too. And, and you have like goats all the time though you don't have like just a season when it's goat season you know we had calves twice season. a year ours was in the yeah. in the spring you know the when you right around march when you're having your last really bad blizzard is when all of our calves would drop so you know that yeah that I, I would time. plan better <laughs> it yeah so, uh I, I say that, but, you know, there was a year we had a crap ton of gro- goats in our week-long blizzard. Um, there was the time we had COVID and had 19 calves on our 19 baby goats on the ground, not calves for us, but kids um, on the ground here. So so we've been through it. But, you know, here's the thing, and, and I love you said that, you know, you would get up in the middle of the blizzard, you know, and all that. That's one of the biggest things I think what happens with a business is oftentimes you get out and you do what you have to do to make sure the business is running and gunning, you know, because there's there's no one else going to do it. You know, so you've got to be the person that actually puts in the work, does the time and does the thing. And that's tough, man. You know, always getting everything done, especially until you have a team that you can start delegating off and then it's a whole new thing. Like I can imagine the first time your dad looked at you and said, all right, go get a calf, you know, or gave you responsibility that he's done yep. for the last, however, you know, years, you know, that had to be a, a big moment for him to realize, all right, 
I'm trusting him to go out and do it. I am putting him behind the wheel of a $50,000 tractor with no one supervising him. (laughs) I can honestly say I never drove a tractor that expensive. We usually got the probably, you know, 15 to 20,000 at most. We had the um, one really nice John Deere that we use for all the the heavy uh, field work. See, I won't even use a John Deere. The John Deere is such a pain in the ass because if anything breaks on it, any maintenance on it, you got to take it to John Deere. And that was always the most annoying thing. down here. You no, know. God, no. We fixed everything on the farm. We have a big shop. Well, and- if you can't, if you right, right. If you can't fix it yourself. Hell, there is. You know, um, re- I only remember like once or twice we had, we took the tractor into the actual dealer. Normally it's like, hey, we order the part, we go pick it up, and then we tear the engine apart and put it in. So, well, but even that's a lot like business because most times early on, you know, we're figuring out and tinkering with things, trying to save money, doing yep. as much of the crap our damn self. And we get pretty good at a lot of damn different things. Yeah, we you know, tinkering and building. One summer, uh, we had uh, we needed a new bale hauler, so we didn't do the little square bales. We did the big round bales. Big round yep. bales. Uh, so we built Grandpa and Dad and I built a uh, a bale carrier. You know, big flatbed that had hydraulics and it, you know. So lots of welding and cutting steel and then uh, putting the slip paint on and all that stuff to make uh, our own uh, bale carrier is, you know. And that's why you got to love the blue collar farmers, man. These guys are just innovative, creative. I mean, you know, they always joke that said, you know, smoking weed doesn't make you a bad person. It turns you into an architect <laughs> or an ar- architect. I can't say the damn word. And being a farmer is kind of the same thing. I mean, you are literally a jack of all trades. You know, and I, you know, people give me. Hey, Donnie Bovine here, CEO of Success Champions Networking. And I just want to jump in really quick and tell you about the network. Success Champion Networking isn't for the beginning networker. It's for the business people that understand that building a successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved. Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high revenue referrals, visit one of our chapters today at successchampionnetworking.com and I look forward to seeing you there. Hell over that phrase. Jack of all trades, master of none, but more often than not, better than the master of one is what the full yep. damn quote is. So don't fucking send me a message <laughs> in saying I'm fucking banging on the damn trades, you know? So, but I, I think like running a farm, you've got to be as resilient as hell and, and be exploratory and curious and figure out new and innovative ways, ways to do yep. it. I mean, we doing the hay thing. We picked up square bales this year off a farmer and, you know, it's me and my brother, Scott, and, you know, the nieces and mom and dad and we're used to walking the field and slinging square bales up on the flatbed trailer but when we got to this guy's farm you know a whole crew of us rolls out and he laughs he goes you're not gonna need all those people i'm like well mom and dad can't throw the bales he goes no you don't understand it (laughs) he pulls out a freaking little bobcat backs up to his farm and he created this dice this device that's all hydraulic and will pick up three six nine bales at a go and off a stack, he picks up nine bales and turns and drops it on a trailer. 
which would have been, you know, a two hour, two yep. and a half hour picking up and throwing them out of the field. We were done in 10 minutes. I'm like, where the hell have you been, you know, the last four <laughs> or five years? <laughs> you know, you know, so we, between that guy and his neighbor, that's where we get all our hay from now because just because they're innovative yep. hell. And, and same thing, that guy literally built this device. You know, he said he went online and that device was, I don't know, what he tell me, like eight or nine grand to buy that contraption. He looked at it and goes, you know what? I can build that. And sure, yep. sure if he did, hooked it right into the hydraulics lines. And yeah, you know, we it. built a ton of our stuff. And you'd, you'd find out who uh, all the farmers kind of knew who was good at what. You know, there's one of our neighbors that was more of the veterinarian level, you know, knew all, you know, the medicines and, and stuff. And if there was a, a hard pregnancy or hard birth, then, he, you know, he'd call them and they'd come help rather than just calling the vet and spending money. You know, grandpa was really great at welding. You know, everyone had a thing. So if you needed that little extra, you you called one of the neighbors and they'd they'd come help and do stuff. And and that was, you know, really kind of a that that's really similar to this whole mastermind concept that we yeah. work with with a lot of our clients too, where you get people together and everyone has something that they're really great at in the group. And they're able to really put that skill forward and help the other one. And, and that's really key in business. You know, we talk about it all the time. You, if you're going to be in business, you need to be surrounded by other people doing what you do, other other business owners, so you can have those conversations. The the men on the farm always got together and went into town for coffee, or in the middle of the afternoon, a, a Pepsi, right. uh, and they they hung out and then they talked and it was you know what's going on, you know how are the cattle, and it was and they were all sharing their stuff, and that was that's a was a big part of the day. It was a daily thing. God, I remember growing up as a kid going uh, by the, the, you know, whether it was the pharmacy or the little five and dime, yep. the little diner, and all the old codgers sitting around the tables, you know, wearing their freaking plaid, you know, shirts, yep. overalls, blue jeans, summon hats, you know, and, and as a kid, you know, you kind of stayed away from it for the most part because there was this kind of unspoken hierarchy of farm. Kids all right? sat around the outside. You know, so if we were at the yep. cafe, we yep. sat at the uh, at the cafe at the the counter, and we had our pop. I don't know what a cafe is, but I know what a cafe is. It's the same thing, except I pronounce it right. <laughs> a cafe. There's no you in there. <laughs> that's how I grew up. I'm. That's the German. Uh, the fun thing for us though is when we went to uh, Uncle Otto's. He had a well drilling. Uh, company and they had a shop in town and uh, you know we'd go hang out there for a Pepsi uh, and the guy and the men would pay cards oh nice during the day and hang out and it would be the same thing uh, except with com more comfy chairs as it's going to the cafe um, <laughs> we'll learn uh, and, but yeah uh, but you know everyone you know, everyone was sharing the, what was going on and they were talking about all the stuff that's going on in the town and, you know, town politics and county stuff and uh, all the local intrigue going on that you, you just, you sat and you took it in as a kid. Well, and I think that, you know, just validates, you know, the, the idea of being around a bunch of other people that are building businesses, doing the right things, because it is the input and feedback from all the other people that really help you figure out all the things you're doing in business because as we yep. do we often you know put ourselves on this island because we don't want people to know how bad it is or 
or we don't want people to know that we're screwing things up. And if you're running a farm and you're trying to do it all yourself, I mean, that's a lot of freaking shit to do and, and try and get it done yourself. I mean, it's damn near nearly impossible. Yeah. Oh, I, I couldn't imagine how we would have done it ourselves if dad was the only one doing stuff, you know, during the busy times of the year. Yeah, we were fortunate because it was dad and grandpa. Uh, we we moved on to grandpa's farm and we kind of took over it as he got older. So dad and grandpa did a lot of it. And then me as I got older. But during the busy times of season, like harvest, you know, grandma was out driving grain truck. Right. Mom was driving grain truck. And between uh, loads, she'd go in and she'd make uh, dinner to bring out to the field. You know, it was everyone got in. You know, there were times when we were really busy that uh, one of dad's brother-in-laws or dad's dad would come come help too and we'd have extra people yep. because there was so much going on so it, it had to be a community you know anyone who tried to farm on their own couldn't do anything at scale and that's the same with business you can't and if you want to scale you got to figure out how to bring on the other people well and that's what i loved about it is 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 that and the women folk would outwork the men sometimes i mean they they straight up got after especially when we were busy i mean i can tell you you know growing up with a tomboy from mom you know, mom's a beast and she'll outwork most dudes and uh, she's going to be sitting right next to you the entire time. And, you know, all the, the women in our family are just that way. You know, it's when works to be done, works to be done. And I fucking love yep. every minute of it. And, you know, uh, you look at my uh, second oldest niece, Scott's little girl, Jen. I mean, we tell her all the time she's my favorite nephew because she'll outwork most full grown ass <laughs> men. Yeah, you know, she gets after it, uh, and I love hanging out with her. You know, and and I think that's that's a lot of it is surround yourself with those right people. And and if you're truly going to scale a business, you can't do this shit on your own. You know, just like your daddy was the welder in the area. You know, he often would jump on other projects and jobs and everything else. But if all he did is focused on you know welding, he doesn't build a damn farm. You know, yep. you've got to bring all the people around you to you know, free up your time to go do, create, build, and, and add new things in there. You know, I, I would really challenge, you know, some of you guys that have never been around farming communities, never been around that type of environment, get out and get around them. And you're going to see just a different breed of person because you're going to meet the the backbone of America that, that or the backbone of your country, wherever you're living, listening to that literally are putting in the time and the hours doing the thing making sure that they're taken care of and supporting their families, you know, and I, I think that's a lot of what it took for both me and you to build our companies was that hard work, that dedication, doing yeah. the things that others won't. So we can make it happen. Yeah. One of the, I want to uh, circle back to one of the things you were talking about. I want to dive in a little bit deeper about, uh, you know, the idea of just getting, he had to get the work done and, there were there were priorities on the farm. There were certain things that had to be done at certain times. You know, you had to feed the cattle. You know, you had there's there was stuff that had to be done at a at a specific time and on a specific schedule. Mm -hmm. So, you know, feeding the cattle was a daily thing. You had to do it. You couldn't just not feed the cattle for yep. a day. You know, uh even when they're out in pasture, you still had to take out all the supplements and all the all the the extra stuff that they got in addition to what they're eating from the field. So, you know, you have to, just like running a business, you had to figure out, Hey, here's the things that are a priority. 
You know, we talk a lot about business development tasks. You have to do your business development tasks every day. Yep. That's the same as feeding the cattle, you know, feeding the pigs, you know, feeding the chickens, whatever animals you have. It's a, it's a thing. If you don't feed them, they don't grow. If you don't feed your pipeline doing business development, your company doesn't grow. You don't have revenue. And, you know, if your company's not having revenue, you, there's fallback positions that you can take to still pay the bills. You know, on the farm, if we didn't have cattle to sell or something went wrong with the crops, you know, we had to figure out what, all right, so how, you know, mom and dad had to figure out, all right, so how are we feeding the kids? Right. You know, what is, how are we going to make money? Uh, so well, it's like here in Texas right now, we're in this massive drought, you know, several days of hundred to plus degree weather. Yep. And it's going to go for another month and a half. We'll just get into the hot part of summer and we're already breaking records with, you know, how hot it's been. And, you know, I reached out to my Hey guy just to see if he had any laughs and he goes, yeah, <laughs> we got nothing and nobody around us has got anything either. So now it's like we got to take care of the goats and luckily we stocked up we were just going to do another round of stocking up you know but we filled a barn with 100 bales going into the summer because we always knew it was tough to get hay then and but if something comes up that barn were to burn down god forbid or or something you know gets infested with something or whatever else yeah there's no hay maybe we can just put it up nope we got to feed the damn goats so you know you figure it out um, I lost water at my well house the other day and, you know, just no time to sit around and, and hope the damn thing, you get it fixed, you get it taken care of. And Yeah, it, it's not like out on the farm when one of our water holes went dry, we would just call up Uncle Otto and, and Cousin Chris and say, hey, uh, come drill us a new well and they'd find us water and drill a new uh, dugout for uh, for the cattle out in the pasture, right. you know, that can't just do that when you're, you know, because you're close enough to town, you just can't dig and make a big, all right, here's our new, uh, here's our new water source. Oh, you know? luckily we trap it, tap into, to the underflow of the Trinity river. So there's a huge ass supply underneath us, but, and, and just so people understand, you know, a traditional well goes about 350 feet. Our goes about almost 900 feet. So that's how oh, wow. deep down our well goes. So it's only tapped into the Trinity, but you know, even that there's still mechanical failures. Right. And if mechanical failure happens, you got to fix the damn thing. And I think that's, that's yep. all part of it is getting it done, doing the things. Um, you will notice that farmers should then tend to be more of your morning people getting up when it's cool hours, taking breaks in the mid part of the day type of thing. And then they're working till the sun doesn't go down or until the sun goes down. And I think that's oh, or later or later. Yeah. Depending on what's all going on. You know, uh, it's one of the things I hate about summers. The sun goes down so damn late. So it makes it really <laughs> damn long days. You know? Yeah. I, you know, there were days I'd go out, uh, we'd do the morning chores and I'd get on the, get in the truck and head out to the field. And I'd be in the field until five thirty, six o'clock. And I'd come back for dinner and uh, then do chores after dinner again. And it, it makes for a long day. You know, and, and that's, a lot of it, but even, you know, that the farmers oftentimes would take Sundays off for church and stuff. And I've never been a church going type, but, you know, it's just a huge indicator of, man, you got to take a day of rest and freaking relax and, and recoup because Monday's coming and you're going to get right back after and get, you know, and continue on. So. Even, even on those rest days, those on Sunday, you know, dad would still have to feed cattle. Yeah. You know, we'd still have to do that basic stuff you know, to take care of our animals yeah. and, you know, can't feed even, themselves. 
Yeah. And <laughs> even with us, with our business, there's times on, you know, on the weekend where we jump on a call because we have to take care of yeah. something and we need to fix something or something's going on that we need to get done before Monday. So it's the same with uh, running your business. When you have stuff you need to get done, you need to be able to prioritize it and understand, hey, I got to do this now. And you can't just say, well, I'll take care of it Monday morning. No, that's not how, always how it works. Yeah, for sure. So I, that's, I think that's the biggest things I, w- I would challenge you is, you know, do the work, get it done and, and get after it. Um, and there's, you know, as Kevin said, there's certain behaviors you can't get past. You got to do the business development stuff. You got to fill the pipeline. You know, and I would challenge you to get around the farmers and just see a different level of work ethic. And I will also say you very rarely see a super wealthy farmer. So it's not about just just the hard work. You know, it's about working and scaling and going big and and leveraging the community. And that's how the most farmers I know are actually some of the happiest, most genuine, beautifully blessed people in the damn world because they're living the life they want to live. And I think that's that says a lot about what we're all trying to do. Yeah, look at my dad. He is, we just, we figured out, we had to do math this uh, yesterday when I was home. Uh, he's 78, and while he doesn't do the full-time farming anymore, he still goes out and makes hay yeah. because he just enjoys yep. it, and it's what keeps him going. Uh, and, you know, my sisters keep saying, you need to, you know, you need to just re- fully retire. I'm like, shut up. Yeah, let him go. <laughs> let, let him go. If he likes it and he can do it and it's not hard on him. You know, yeah, retirement from guys like that equals death. Let them work. Let them work. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. They love it. So. Yep. So, well, guys, if you got any tips, any value, anything out of this episode, do us a favor. Please make sure you're subscribed. Leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode out with one person who would get some value out of it. And as always, love you, mean it. See you. Bye. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com, go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.